This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. What's happening? I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, I sit down with the Providence Journal's Brian Amaral. And this one right out of the oven, so to speak. We recorded it earlier this week here at The Loft, right in the thick of Moldgate and the broader, I don't know, situation that Speaker Mattiello's involved in. And if you're listening right now and wondering, wow, what is Moldgate? Well, we get into it during the episode, don't worry. But the quick summary is this goes back to late last year in December. Speaker Mattiello ordered an audit of the convention center through his capacity as chair of the JCLS, the Joint Committee for Legislative Services. Now, that's a five-person panel that is is essentially an operational institution for the day-to-day workings of the General Assembly, but also has the ability to audit quasi-public agencies and so forth. The allegation is that Mattiello ordered this audit as retribution for the convention center placing his friend on suspension for a human resources violation. The issue came to the surface because it's a structure of power conversation or issue. Minority leader Blake Filippi basically took Mattiello to task for the process by which this audit was ordered, you know, engaging in lawsuits and, you know, media rhetoric and and really just pushing back against what seems to be a process that is essentially the Speaker of the House single-handedly operating the JCLS when in fact it's supposed to be a five-person panel that features two members of the minority party. So that's one element to this, a process question And now some investigation or at least inquiries underway. Now, simultaneously with these investigations, apparently there was a mold problem, some kind of leak in the JCLS office that led to the floor being ripped up in the JCLS office and a bunch of furniture being tossed into a dumpster. Ted Nisi at WPRI observed this happening caught wind of the fact that the office was being torn apart at the same time. There was some confusion, some questions, were there documents from the JCLS documents being tossed JCLS hard drive. So it turned into the whole scenario we now know as Moldgate. And really the reason it's relevant is the question is, is this a time in the arc of a speakership in which the Mattiello camp is starting to wonder, um, not legal implications, like I say in the episode, I'm not thinking handcuffs or anything like that, but just in terms of broad influence and the ability to operate as currently constituted. So there, kind of setting that up for you so you understand what we're talking about when Moldgate comes up in the episode and some of the big news surrounding that that this week here in Southern New England. We, of course, also, as I want to do with media members, we discuss the media and um, Brian's outlet, the Providence Journal, what the future might look like not only for the journal but for newspapers as a whole. And what's interesting is we were discussing one possible model that could actually work or seems to be working, and that would be the billionaire investors swooping in and buying up a newspaper, such as the case with the Boston Globe, the uh, Washington Post, of course, with Jeff Bezos. And until just a few hours after Brian and I were here at the loft taping this podcast, Warren Buffett, also one of those billionaire newspaper investors. Well, guess what? Brian sent over not more than like an hour, actually, probably after he left the loft. Um, Warren Buffett selling off his holdings in newspapers, including his hometown Omaha World Herald. So maybe not actually a method to pursue big picture, um, the billionaire investors swooping in and saving local newspapers. And it just shows how fast the conversation is constantly shifting and evolving around the, the, the future of traditional media that literally within an hour, an idea that seemed reasonable 
um, now seems, hey, questionable at best. So we get to all of that and much more in this episode, which, by the way, this episode of the Bartholomew Town Podcast is sponsored by Newport Vineyards, located in Middletown, Rhode Island. Discover more at NewportVineyards.com. Providence Journal 2020. What does that mean? What is that? You know, because I hear we all the time filling in on WPRO, whatever, people are always like, oh, radio, does anyone listen to radio, newspaper, people reading newspapers, etc. I think that's sort of, um, there's some truth to the decline and diversity in media consumption, but your experience, you're still getting a lot of feedback on your work. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we've put out a daily newspaper for uh, longer than anybody on this earth has been alive, and we yeah. will be continuing to do that uh, until further notice. You know, yeah. it's... Uh, uh, you know, the rumors of our death are greatly exaggerated. You know, yeah. we're still there every day, filled with people trying to do their best. Not as many people as there were before, obviously. Yeah. Any, anyone can see that. But, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we're professionals. We have a job to do, and we're still doing it. And we're still uh, doing stories that I think... Um, have an impact. Uh, my colleague Katie Mulvaney had a great story this morning about uh, court fees. I've yep. only read the first, just on my way over here, a couple of paragraphs, but I, I know it's going to be really great, and yeah. it's going to sort of reorient the way people think about the court system. And um, we're we're still doing it. Uh, we're still at it, and I think the journal um, still does have a commitment to those longer term investigative pieces and. Uh, you know, and 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 the des- the desire is certainly still there. Um, the resources aren't what they used to be, but um, you know, I, I think I think in a lot of quarters, uh, people's uh, statements that you know the journal is dying is is wishful thinking. Uh, yeah. I think from some quarters, uh, but we're still here, still causing trouble, and uh, uh, and and plan to continue to do so. You know, I, I joined the journal almost two years ago, and uh, uh, was. You know, obviously, getting in back into newspapers. I'd been in newspapers before. I was uh, at a trade publication, and then uh, in public radio for about two years, uh, and then jumped back into newspapers in uh, 2018. And that's, you know, I think I think some people uh, kind of looked at me funny when I said I was going to go ahead and do that. But yeah, right. Uh, but you know, we're hey, two years later, still here, still putting out a newspaper every day. Well, I say as well, imagine just unplugging, not just newspapers, but let's say like the traditional institutionalist media outlets from Rhode Island, and then look at what you're left with today and ask yourself, uh, we, is that Nobody going- would uncover Moldgate. Those moldy <laughs> carpets would still be causing a health hazard to all those people over at JCLS. You know, we, you know Ted Nisi, great reporter, I, you know, just to for him to be there and spot that, if he is not there... To to see that, how are we going to find out about right. it? You know, he he just happened to be there, um, and and that's a very good example of of literally his physical presence at the state house at like what whatever it was nine or ten at night. Yeah. Ted needs to get a life, but you yeah. know it, it's it's <laughs> great that he's there and, right. and and is able to see that and tell us about it. And you know, and and there's so many examples I could think of at, at the journal where where you know we're at meetings where. Uh, you know, we're we're at uh, the the scene of a murder or a shooting or or just in court. You know, Katie Mulvaney, like I said, being in court uh, to see uh, the name's going to escape me, but but someone uh, entering a, a no contest play, uh, and you know, we were the only ones there for that. You know, and and 
um, to imagine a world where that's not happening is um, is is really scary. Uh, yeah. And and but I, I think it's we're we're trying to find a way forward. Uh, and uh, I, I know that all the the people in the building at seventy five Fountain Street are are uh, you know working really hard. Uh, you know. To, to, to do it every day so yeah I think it's I think it's it, it's a question of of how we're gonna make the money to do it but we're still doing what we always did just fewer of us around to do it yeah I feel like when there's cooperation between any type of media outlets you know what I mean obviously the competition is <clears throat> is most important as well but when you have I guess between digital slash new media and sort of old guard media when those relationships are cooperative it seems like the i don't know just the news gathering resources are then yes there's less reporters at the providence journal now or whatever but then other people whether it's steve alquist or whomever it may be is part of that broad media conversation are able to not fill in the gaps but just broaden the story broaden the conversation when you have other outlets here when they're just trying to undermine that whole thing um, it, it's, it's laugh out loud, ridiculous. So a lot of the people who are most critical of, you know, the media environment here are the ones who are the least cooperative from my perspective. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's true. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think the Rhode Island media in general is uh, among the competitors who are out there all trying to do the same thing, which is good journalism. We're very competitive with each other. Um, but we're also, you know, we also at the same time like to see each other succeed and, and support each other when, when we succeed. Um, you know, uh, there, there's always the, the gracious hat tip, you know, first reported by, you know, by WJR, first reported by WPRI. Um, and you know, they're, you know, so I, I think, I think, yeah, that there are the, – the media looks a little bit different – well, a lot different than what it used to 40, 50 years ago. Um, and, and, and you're right that there are these other sort of alternative avenues to get into it. Like your podcast, for example, we were just talking off mic about how uh, you know this wouldn't have been possible 30 or 40 years ago, and, and, and now it is. I mean the, 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 the gatekeepers are gone, and now there are ways for people to get into it other ways. Steve Elquist is another example of somebody who, you know, who knows what he would have been doing before the internet. He could have been, you know, he might have had a little newsletter that he printed in his garage. A little but, anarchist but, newspaper yeah, style. Yeah, and it would have been great. I'm yeah. sure, you know, the, his <laughs> would have been would have been fantastic, but yeah. it, would it have gotten to as many people as, as, as it does now? I, I don't think so. Um, and I think that's ultimately a good thing. You do see some players in that area that are not, you know, that don't have that same sort of sense of responsibility. But I think, I think overall, yes. for, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the gate crashers are, are a healthy thing for, for the media environment. You know, I think, I think this is a perfect example of that. You know, it's, uh, this is like a long form conversation that um, is, is really great. You know, it's, it's, and, and um, in the commercial radio world, who knows if this, this is able to happen, you know? Right. And it's interesting too, because, you know, when, when I've had, when I've filled in on PRO and you've got like the eight minute segments, you know, a similar guest, like say a Seth Magaziner, who's Treasure Magazine has been on here three times now. And I feel like we could book another hour conversation just based on getting into specifics of the pension investments and so on and so forth. We could go there. But when he's come on with me on the radio, I mean, it, if you compare the two interviews, 
they're both valuable because in the moment, all right, we've got eight minutes. We're not going to dance around. Right. Who cares about what you did in college or whatever? Let's right. get, why are yeah. we divesting from, you know, assault weapons and, right. uh, you know, private prisons? You can get right to the question. Yeah. So, so you kind of need both of them as well. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. If And I don't know what will happen in, in, I suspect somebody in Rhode Island media right now is, if not multiple people are thinking that they're either independently or um, within their news organization going to start making a more digital presence the way that like a Nisi has or a McGowan has with his list. And obviously the journal has their email coming out every day at five o'clock this just in. But I would imagine there'd be like five times as much as that pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely uh, looking at new ways of of getting our stuff to people, and and yeah. and you know, uh, back in the day, more people had print subscriptions, but I would I would suggest I, I think, and I, I don't know the statistics personally, but but I would assume that just as many people are reading the journal now uh, as, as they did fifty years ago. The problem right. <laughs> is not that not, nobody's reading it because people are reading it. Uh, it's that how they're paying for it, yep. um, the ads that are supporting it, the classified ads were just eviscerated by Craigslist. Yep. Um, you know the big, the big beautiful print ads that they used to pay a lot of money for are now little digital ads that they don't pay nearly as much. Um, so it's not a it's not an eyeballs problem. It's a it, it's a cash problem for for us and for every newspaper around the country, except for for the big boys that that are sort of able to scale up to an extent um, that that can make it you know a little bit less challenging. But it's not it, you know we do have people reading us. We do have again, like I said, I, I think I think we're we're. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think we're just as relevant as ever. Um, the challenge is finding a way to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you see a tweet from, you know, Madeline List and don't necessarily even click on the story, right. does that count as— And even if you do click on the story, like, you know, it's—the it's, it's I, 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 the, the digital ad economy is something that's so—that's uh, mind-boggling to right. me, but— it, it, Oh, believe it's me, it's, nothing it's shocking. Like, it's, it's shocking. It's nothing like even the little, you know, three-inch ad looking for a babysitter. You know, remember—I I, I don't know if you remember picking up the newspaper when you needed a summer job. Oh, absolutely, And yeah. you would look in the—you would look in the classified <laughs> section. Now, where do you go? You go to whatever, monster.com or— Whatever, yeah. or what have you like if you wanted i remember you know used to i'm i'm turning 32 in a, in a couple of months and, and even i re- remember you know i'm i'm not you know i'm not i'm not some old timer but i still remember sitting at dinner with my dad thinking about going out to a movie you'd pick up the newspaper and you'd look up the movie times 100 percent. now what do you do you fire up the phone and you go right to the you know so it's it's uh it's 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 a strange it's a strange world but but like i said we're all we're all working hard to to find the way and and i think that um i, I think we're going to continue on and and in whatever new forms um there are um you know i, I that there is a resource issue for sure and and there are fewer people around and and i'm not going to sugarcoat that but sure um, you know, the people who are left are, are working as hard as they can. Yeah. Got Linda Borg. That's for sure. Linda Borg is <laughs> Linda Borg is a legend. She's, she's great. Yep. She's a great newsroom presence. Yeah, you know, exactly. she's very, sure. uh, yeah, you know, she's, she's going to be there, you know, Tom Mooney, Katie Mulvaney, you know, Kathy Gregg and other, of course, and you know, another person I really look up to as a, as a model for people who've been doing it for a long time and, and, you know, just trying to continue on in that tradition. This is, 
the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Support for the Bartholomew Town Podcast comes from Newport Vineyards, featuring Taproot Brewing Company. Hi, my name is uh, Kevin Beecham. I'm the uh, head brewer here at Taproot Brewing Company in Middletown, Rhode Island. Started basically home brewing when I was 19 years old in my uh, parents' kitchen, just messing around with different flavor profiles and ingredients. Pretty new to the state of uh, Rhode Island and new to Newport especially, but really uh, love it out here. It's pretty awesome experience and really uh, great to work with uh, local producers and farmers and in a small setting like Tapper Brewing where we can do, you know, a lot of customized, uh, unique recipes. So it's been a lot of fun. Discover more at NewportVineyards.com. Yeah, you know what's interesting about the numbers side of things? I've had this conversation with like Ian Donis, a few other people that, let's say I post, I don't know, four, 60 seconds of an episode on Instagram. Yeah. You know, in the Instagram stories. Right. Um, and then X number 100 or in some, you know, let's say it's Sage Francis or something. So it gets into the thousands because right. people are going, oh, this is awesome. I like yeah. this guy. They don't, you know, they don't know who I am. They know who that guy is. <laughs> now... Does that mean that the podcast has gotten 3,000 more listens because Instagram stories, people listen to 60 seconds of it? Or did you have to hit play and listen to the entire thing on Apple Podcasts to qualify as a listener? What about a reader? If I happen to see the Projo while I'm at Walgreens, you know what I mean? I have my digital subscription, but let's say I pick up the paper and I read it like while I'm standing there. Am I now a reader? I think I am. I think all those people are engaged, so they qualify and – there's a big difference between paid subscribers and right. how many people like you just said. But yeah, well, you know the, the the 60 second clip that you put on Instagram. Who's making money from that? Instagram. Bingo. Jeff, Be- not hey. Jeff Bezos. This is a buddy, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that's going right into his pocket for for whatever it's worth. Bingo. You know, and, yeah. and unless you sort of sneak in, you know, some mattress company. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is sponsored by Lisa. Uh, you know, you gotta right. you gotta be really subtle about you know the. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's uh, it you know, and, and that's why that's why I personally you know Twitter and and social media are, are really important ways of delivering stuff to people. But I'm always a little bit reluctant to um, break news without sort of a link back to our stuff. Oh, definitely uh, yeah. on on Twitter. Why am I you know you know that that Jack guy, whatever his name is? I don't I, you know he doesn't need another beach house, right? You know I get a mortgage to pay. I'm not I don't <laughs> care. You know why am I gonna yeah. why am I gonna give that stuff away? And 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 I know that that might be. Uh, a kind of an old-fashioned way of thinking about it, but I think if I think if more people took that leap and just decided, okay, it doesn't matter if you're seven minutes earlier on Twitter with your news, if you're going to break it with just like you know, a, a, without some sort of link, you know, I, yeah. I think there's there's like a little ego thing at play there. But you won't see me very often um, throwing stuff out on Twitter that's going to be like some big exclusive without some sort of link back to our story, where at least we can get you know, back to our own property. So I think yeah. that is, a, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, no question and, about it. And, you know, it. look who's thriving. Facebook is, you know, thriving right now, which owns Instagram. Yep. You know, Twitter is, you know, doing pretty well for itself too, I think, I assume. Um, you know, the Googles of the world are, are doing really well. And, and you know, off the backs of of, of our work, it, not just at the journal, but but all these different, places and what's going to happen if, if we disappear i don't think that i don't think we're going to disappear but um you know you're sort of eating your seed corn in there if uh by by uh by doing that so 
to be determined. I guess we'll find out as it rolls. You know, out. I, we're still. I, I've I've said this before. I, I think it's I think it's 170 years. We just celebrated our anniversary. It might, might be 190. And and I and I, I do honestly think that we're still going to be around another 170 years. Yeah. Uh, or 190, whatever it was. I, I I'm not good at math or <laughs> or remembering basic facts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's. I you know I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about the future because of the work that people inside the building are are doing. Um, you know uh, there there are other challenge there are other challenges um, being foisted upon us by forces outside the building. Uh, but you know, yeah, I always I, wonder that too. I mean, I I vaguely remember someone told me that Buff Chase or some group of people looked to buy. The journal or something like that at one point i've always fantasized that i would love to buy you know the journal wpro channel 10 all the institutions you know and somehow or, or some other philanthropist if if uh someone buys bartholomew town for a billion dollars <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> you know what i mean be... that, and then just bring it back to the community make it community run you know totally you know but then again the corporate element as negative as it is on, on one hand it also does assist in keeping you know the blood pumping at a certain level where it, it you know doesn't necessarily um you know there's a guarantee of some level of uh, vitality i guess even if it means they're going to gut the the place i haven't uh, you know i think there there was sort of uh you know back a couple of years ago back when i was in journalism school there was a lot of thought that like the nonprofit model could could work i, I you know i haven't seen you know propublica is great um, uh, I think the Texas Tribune is also nonprofit. I could be wrong about that. Isn't like uh, the East Greenwich newspaper? Yeah, or something I think like that, that might be. Yeah, but I, but I haven't seen the nonprofit model work for a mid-sized metro like the Providence Journal. Like I, I haven't seen that. Uh, and you know, maybe somebody could could prove us wrong. But but a sort of metro that does the daily stuff. Uh, the nonprofit model, uh, you know, of course, you know the the uh, uh, the unicorn billionaire who swoops down and saves the day is is always, uh, you know, that that's what people, uh, you know, when they're tossing and turning at night, worried about the future, hope for. I mean, it's worked for the Washington Post. Um, Jeff Bezos is is not a dumb guy. I think he, you know, uh, and and I don't, I don't think he's, you know, I, I I don't know, I don't know why he decided to do that, but I, I suspect it wasn't to lose a ton of money. Um, so I think he sort of saw an opportunity there. Um, yeah. you know, uh, there's, you know, John Henry owning the Boston Globe, you know, somebody who's able to absorb more financial risk than, um, than a, uh, th- than a he- hedge fund, uh, that, that has investors to worry about. Uh, I think the Los Angeles Times also has a similar owner now. I forget the guy's name, but yes, yeah, yeah, because it just came up because they br- took their paywall down for yeah, yeah, yeah. They they you know I think the guy bought it for like you know half a billion dollars or something, and and is running it uh, while investing in the future. And uh, you know there are only so many uh, benevolent billionaires to go around. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you know I think uh, I, I I think that that model has worked, but you know maybe maybe uh, is, is not as common. So yeah, but I agree with that as well. It seems that the market, as long as we're going to be in a market monetary system and not a resource kind of based economy here, you know, we're not going to turn the world upside down. Then yeah, it's going to be profits that drive it. It's just about yeah the funding structure. Yeah. Um. All right. Last few minutes here. 
We got Moldgate going on. I mean, Absolutely. I don't personally think we're going to have a new speaker that he's coming out in handcuffs or anything like that. But this is definitely going to be a tough challenge for the speaker to just optically get out of. Um, well, you know, you never know what will play out. But in any case right now, business as usual in Rhode Island. Do you think people in general out there in, you know, the, the outer spheres of um, political, not inside baseball, I guess, does the average person know because – you know, if you look at the network, not the network news, the, the television news, they, the main station last night didn't even run the Matt Yellow story on the 11 o'clock news. So it's interesting to me. Do you think the average person, I guess, from your vantage point, realizes that there's this moment of, you know, possible concern for the speaker and, and the power structure on Smith Hill? Well, I, I mean, I think I think we saw the vote uh, to, to become speaker uh uh, was you know there were some defections, and now those are the same people who are sort of com- the, yeah. the, the same people who are coming out and saying, "Oh, the scandal plague speaker." Um, you know, I I, I think um, you know Moldgate. I, I think um, from from w- what I can tell uh, from the reporting, I, I think that what we've been able to ascertain is that, and, and this is a little weasel word, is that it's not clear what they found in the dumpsters right. besides moldy furniture. So, you know, they, there was no, nobody has seen the state troopers, uh, coming out with the files that are going to take down Nick Mattiello, yeah. right? It's not, you know, <laughs> nobody, Nobody has, um, you know, absent any evidence to the contrary. Um, you know, they they really did rip up some carpets in there, as 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 they showed us, yep. and there really were there really was some uh, furniture uh, in, in the dumpster. I'm not a mold expert, uh, so I don't I don't know what the actual situation was there. You know, I think um, I think you know you come at the king, you best not miss, and I think that they. That a lot of the people who are dissatisfied with Speaker Mattiello's leadership have, you know, had a big push to to get him out and um, didn't really, what you know, didn't come close to succeeding uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, at the ballot box, who knows? You know, he 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 did have a pretty close call a couple of years ago. Um, you know, and and and. Not the same. Barbara Ann Fenton might be running. Yeah, and that could be interesting. I mean, you know, that's a that's a prominent Cranston um, person, a, a prominent figure in Cranston. Uh, you know, she uh, um, she could give him a run for his money. Although in 2020, with Donald Trump at the top of the ballot, uh, it's probably going to be. I. I, you know, I don't know how the presidential race affects things down the ticket. You know, in 2016, frankly, you know, I don't think anybody would have expected that, you know, Donald Trump, like the actual Donald Trump, like not some figure <laughs> yeah. of Donald Trump, but like the guy who was on TV, right? you know, the guy, you know, the guy, <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump, he's our president now. I think that was surprising for a lot of people. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, so what really matters is, is what happens at the ballot box. But I, I think... I haven't seen since Moldgate broke, since the since the Brit indictment, the money laundering. You know, if he was going to get indicted in the money laundering laundering indictment, he would have gotten indicted. So it, I think that sort of legal peril is probably, uh, you know, I, he wasn't charged in that case, sure. and, and he might get called to testify, and it'll be some bad headlines. But you know, if he has the votes, he has the votes, whether that's in the House or whether that's in his district in Cranston. Um, you know, could he get taken out um, by uh, uh, you know the 
you know, at the ballot box? Yeah, very possibly he could. He he was close. Uh, he had a, he had a close call. Eighty six uh, yeah. votes, or whatever it was. Yeah, and you know, and and I think uh, I, I don't know if a if a mailer made it made a difference. Uh, you know, I don't know if a direct. Right. You know, I I uh, I throw those in the trash just along with the uh, you know the pizza pamphlets and yeah. <laughs> uh, and and my bills. You know, those go directly in the recycling. But um, you know, he he could get a run for his money. But who knows? You know, I think uh, that the dynamics of of politics are are. Are hard to say right now. A couple couple months out, so we'll see. Absolutely. Last question. Just sort of your take on Rhode Island. You know what I mean? As a, a do you live here? Yeah, I live in Providence. Yeah. I, I love Rhode Island. You know, I, I I'm from Massachusetts, uh, from Chelmsford, Mass, just outside of Lowell, uh, and. Uh, it is, uh, you know, and I'm I'm not just uh, sucking up to the to the audience, but I, I really just like Rhode Islanders. Like they're kind of, you know, they're kind of a little a little bit different, a little, uh, you know. I I feel a real kinship. You know, they're they're very uh, friendly, but also private. And uh, uh, there's a lot of characters here. There's a lot of there's funny people. There's there's good people here. Uh, you know, and uh, and I I kind of feel like you know, like I said, I'm going on 32. I've, I've bounced around all around the Northeast, but this feels like uh, this feels like a place that could be home for for you know for for the rest of my run here. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's great. I, I've really really liked it, and uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, not in a not in a rush to to leave. I think I think I could uh, um, you know stick around for a while because. Um, you know, I, I actually, I'm looking for a potentially buy a house. So, if any of your listeners have recommendations in Providence, for, uh, you know, I maybe maybe the East Bay. You know, I'm I'm Portuguese, so I'd love to live in Bristol. I'd love to live in East Providence. With the bone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and get some pastinata. You know, roll out, out of bed and get some. Uh, you know, porcelana, whatever. Uh, you know, I think it's. Uh, uh, so you know, looking for looking for the next place, whether that's Providence or East Bay. So a- any recommendations for you know, for 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 the next place to live? But it'll be it'll be somewhere in Rhode Island, I think. You know, it's uh it's it's a great place to be. I've been really happy here. Bristol Warren's interesting. I always I lived in Williamsburg. I lived in Bushwick and in, in Brooklyn, and um, I never really took it much. But I'd always see the the water taxi. Yeah. You know, going from Williamsburg to the Lower East Side, and people going to work that way, and it's like maybe fifteen minutes maximum. Yeah. I was like, that right there is, and I know people have looked at, it, but that's the, all right, if you put the water taxing in and right. you start filling up Warren, which has already yeah. got a lot going on with Main Street, with Galactic yeah. Theater and a lot of other things happening, but. All right, I'm doing Warren. You've yeah, convinced me. Warren, buy, all right. And I'm going to start a, a water taxi. Yeah. It'll be my side hustle. <laughs> I'll have, yes. you know, a big floppy hat and, uh, you know, it'll be great. I'll be a. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I what a great way to commute to work. I mean, just getting some, unless it's in January. Today might not be as pleasant, but you know, just imagine like a June nice, beautiful June day, and just like taking in the fresh air along the along the river. That would be great. I think it's a million dollar idea. There it is. And we'll, um, we'll record the next podcast aboard the ship of the SS Bartholomew Town. That's it. B- beautiful, and that'll be the uh, the the generator for the uh, the future economies of Rhode Island. Absolutely. Right there, water taxis. I mean, the that sound in that, though, just the the sound of the waves lapping up against the the, the boat will just. <laughs> be a great you know soundtrack for this podcast i think it's uh let's do it hey thanks for spending part of your day here on the bartholomew town podcast i'll be back on tuesday with a brand new episode and remember there's over 160 episodes waiting for you at ripodcast.com or your favorite app until next time we'll talk soon this is the bartholomew town podcast